Again, welcome today uh, to our service. Welcome. Uh, we we believe that you are here with a purpose. Uh, if you're tuning in today, believe God wants to speak to you. God wants to bless you. He wants to speak life into your heart and spirit. If you believe it, somebody say amen in the chat. In the chat. So we are on the theme. Uh, currently with our Sunday sermons, we're on the theme of purpose and calling. And today I want to dig deeper into what is uh, our calling as Christians. What is our calling as Christians? And, you know, God has made us with a purpose. If you are a Christian, you were born again. You were born again with a purpose. And there, and there are many, and I want to highlight uh, one of the I think most important aspects of our calling as Christians, and of course this is important because I think what I have found is that there are a lot of uh, Christians out there who feel lost, uh, who struggle, who may even be lacking joy in their life, and I think knowing your calling, and not just knowing your calling, but actively pursuing your calling is one of the greatest sources of joy uh, for the Christian. So that's why we are speaking on this subject, and that's my heart, my hope for you, is that you will find greater joy in Jesus today, amen, by finding out what is God's purpose and calling for you, amen. amen. So what we're talking about today is loving others. You know, as you may know, especially if you've been in church, that Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that the second commandment, he said, is like it. That term like it means it's, it's so connected. It's like the other side of the coin. It just goes hand in hand. It's right up there with the first commandment. It's inseparable. It's not something that we can ignore. And he said that second commandment is what? To love others to love others as god has loved you to love others as you love yourself that is the second greatest commandment now specifically today within that realm of loving others uh there is this specific calling that not only are we to love others in general but god has a specific purpose when it comes to people who do not know jesus to people who do not know jesus now uh in the church, we, you know, have different sort of uh, terms for people who do not know Jesus, for people who are not Christians. We call them non-Christians. We say that they're unsaved or we call them the lost. Uh, but whatever we call them, there are people out there who do not know Jesus and need Jesus. Amen. In fact, all people need Jesus, right? Whether you're good, bad, rich, poor, uh, old or young, everybody needs Jesus. Knowing Jesus, believing in Jesus is a matter of eternity. It's a matter of eternal consequences. Of course, one of the basic beliefs uh, that we have as Christians is that there is eternal life. And the question is not, is everybody going to live for eternity? The Bible teaches us that everybody does live for eternity. It's not existence, it's location. Right? It's condition. In which condition, in which location are you going to exist for eternity? Are you going to exist eternally after death with Jesus in his kingdom in heaven? Or are you going to exist eternally apart from Jesus in hell? Believing and knowing Jesus 
is what makes the difference. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, isn't that good news? I remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. It's just, it brings so much joy to, to declare whoever, whoever, you know, black, white, brown, yellow, doesn't matter your skin, ethnicity, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your sin, how big or small, whoever believes in Jesus, amen. Doesn't matter if you attended church while you were young and then you quit because some people, you know, they, they feel guilty and they feel like, oh, I, I left the church. I left God. Now he probably hates me. Now, whoever, whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish, but they shall have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Now, what this has to do with you and me as Christians is that this is part of our calling. Our part of our calling is to help people to be saved, help people to know Jesus, help people to believe in Jesus. Now, this is a calling, not just for pastors, not just for missionaries. It's not just for special Christians. It's not, it's not just for mature Christians. It's not just for strong Christians. It is for every Christian. Hallelujah, Amen. right? I, I know testimonies, which I don't have time to share right now, but there are testimonies of, of people who just got saved, who, who God uses right away to help other people to be saved. See, you don't need to know a lot of Bible. You don't need to have gone to church for a long time. You don't have to have it all together, right? Uh, in fact, in John 4, there's a story of a, a woman who meets Jesus for the first time, right? Uh, she's a Samaritan woman. She's trying to get water from the well, and, and she meets Jesus. And right away, right away, she goes and tells other people, it's like, I met this really awesome person. I think he's the Savior, right? And through that, through a woman who just barely knew Jesus, just, just, just met Jesus, a whole town gets saved. Do you believe God can use you that way? I do. I do. That's why we exist. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm excited for you. It's why this is what gets me up in the morning. This is what gets me to preach is that I believe in you because God believes in you. God has put a destiny and a calling and a purpose, not for what you can do, but for what can God do through you. Amen. So if you could say yes to Jesus, if you could say yes to God, say, okay, it's not about me. It's all about you. So I say yes to God. God, what can you do through me? I say yes to whatever you can do. Then miracles start happening. Then you begin to see that, that, that God can start using you powerfully even today. Amen? amen? If you believe it, somebody say amen in the chat. Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, Jesus says, this is my mission. This is my purpose. Why did God send Jesus to earth, right? Why did God send his only son to the earth? Why did Jesus come, right? And of course, we know as Christians that Jesus, when we say he's the son of God, that doesn't mean he's apart from God, but we believe he is three in one, right? That, that though he is three, there's only one God. And so God himself, right, in, in the form of his son, he came, right, to the earth to do what? Jesus says it himself, to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Love that. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. John 3, 16, again, says, for God so loved the world, right? He loved them. He had compassion on us, and that's why he came. You know, I want to say this, because I had this conversation with uh, some friends earlier this week, and I realized, you know, there's a lot of Christians today 
who get mad about bad things. We get mad at injustice. We get mad at sin. Oh, you know, they took prayer out of school. We get mad about that. Oh, there's all this bad stuff happening in the world. You like uh, bad movies, bad press, you know, things that are leading people into sin, right? We get mad at all the sinful corruption. But But I felt like God spoke something into my heart. He said, notice, Jenny. When I, when I spoke about my purpose, when I came to the earth, I didn't say, I came to the earth because I'm angry at darkness. He doesn't say, I came to the earth because I'm angry at sinfulness. No, he said, I came to the earth because I love. Amen. I came to the earth to seek and to save. Hallelujah. That is our purpose too, right? See, God's purpose is our purpose. That's what the Bible teaches us. His mission is supposed to be our mission too. Amen? Amen. Now, what I feel like God has taught me over the years is that when it comes to helping people know Jesus, helping people to get saved, helping people to to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you know, um, the real work is, is not so much uh, a pastor preaching in an awesome message and somebody hears it like, oh, wow, I find, you know, it's like, that's God, right? Like one sermon just opens their eyes and, you know, they run to the altar and fall to their feet and cry out to God and they get saved. Now, there's a lot of really wonderful stories like that. There are wonderful stories where, um, in fact, some people in our church, I know one testimony of, of a sister who was not Christian, but she was walking by a church and just felt something in her heart tell her to go in. And that's what started her journey to becoming a Christian. And, and she's part of our church today. And so there's all these wonderful testimonies of these powerful encounters, right? But can I tell you that that is actually a small portion of the actual, you know, when it comes to all the testimonies of how people got saved, 80, 90, 95, I'd say even 98% of uh, testimonies are not like that, right? It wasn't like this instant, this one moment that changed everything. For most people, right, and I think most of you can even attest to this if you're a Christian today, it was a journey. It was a process, right? You didn't go from non-Christian to Christian all of a sudden, right? It was a process. Maybe a friend invited you out to church, you know, or or maybe you didn't go to church because you weren't really interested, but you made a Christian friend, and through that friend, right, through that process, maybe it took weeks, months, years even, before you even stepped into a church, and even when you stepped into a church, you didn't accept Jesus right away, right? It, it, It took time like even those of us who were born into christian families it wasn't like you know you were born and you're just like i believe in jesus right i'm a christian right i was uh, pretty much born into a christian family my parents uh, attended church while i was young and so i think i started going to church you know somewhere in my elementary years uh but it wasn't until i think when i was in junior high when i truly truly like i heard a lot about jesus but it was in junior high that i truly really encountered jesus and this this light bulb went on you know it's like i was told jesus died for your sins jesus died for your sins but there was this moment you know that where i was like oh my gosh you really died for me Right, where it became really personal. See, my point is that even though I attended church from when I was young to many, for, for many years, it still took a journey to get to that point where I think I really became saved. You, you do have to know just because you church, go to church doesn't make you saved, amen? Just because you're born as a, into a Christian family doesn't make you saved. Each and every one of us has to personally accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, amen? 
and, and, and so we must put our trust in him and we must follow him and it doesn't matter if everybody else around us is following that doesn't make us a Christian somebody said just because you go into a garage doesn't make you a car right just because you go into McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger so in the same way just because you're in a Christian family doesn't mean you're a Christian we, God wants to encounter you personally hallelujah God wants to bless you personally he wants to speak to you personally he wants to love you personally he wants to have a deep wonderful joyful relationship with you personally amen now my point is this right i've kind of gone into a rabbit trail i want to bring it back to our sermon today is this right the real work the real key to helping people know jesus is to open people's hearts to open people's hearts. You know, I found that a lot of us, we try to tell people about Jesus and tell them that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Or if you don't believe in Jesus, you won't be saved. You want to go to heaven, you got to believe in Jesus. And so we give them all this, right, truth and information, right? And we expect them to accept it just because it's true. But Jesus teaches us that it's not just enough for us to tell people the truth. We also need to help them to accept it. Does that make sense? Right? We need to help people to open their hearts to accept the truth. And that's what Jesus was so good at doing. Right? He, was, he was a master at opening hearts. And that's my, that's my point today is that part of our calling, and this is our purpose as Christians, is to help open people's hearts to Jesus. Not just tell them about Jesus. That's very important. We must do that. It's not just telling them about heaven and hell. We must do that, right? But a very key central point is to open their hearts up to Jesus. Amen. So there was a saying that says, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know, it's, there's this common expression, right? And so you can offer living water, but if people are not going to open their mouth, the water is going to go to waste, right? So there are things that we can do to stir people's hunger, right? To stir people's soul, to awaken people's spirit, to realize that they need and they, they want Jesus. And that's part of what we mean when we say that we can open people's hearts. Amen? Amen. And so here's the question today. How do you treat non-Christians? How do you see non-Christians? How do you relate to non-Christians, right? Uh, there, 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 there are some... Uh, that and this is this is how I used to be is that I used to see non-Christians as the enemy I used to see non-Christians as a threat right so I used to distance myself because it's like hey if you're around non-Christians too long you're going to fall into sin you know you're going to fall into temptation you got to be careful you got to guard your heart you got to guard yourself right do you see them as an enemy do you see them as the problem or do you see them like Jesus saw them he saw them as lost sheep Right? Jesus had compassion. His heart broke for non-Christians. He didn't see them as the enemy. They were the object of his affection. He, they, they were his goal. They were his mission. They were his vision. And so the question today that I want to put forth to our church, especially today, and if you're not part of our church, welcome. But as a pastor of Joyful City, I want to put this out to us, is how do you see non-Christians? How do you treat non-Christians, right? Or, or how do you see people who are far from God? Maybe people who go to church or used to go to church and they, they stop going to church, right? How do you see these people? How do you treat these people? And, and so we want to learn from Jesus today. Amen. We want to learn from Jesus, right? See, the Bible is full of a lot of teaching, a lot of principles, right? But sometimes it comes to a question of like, okay, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, but how does, what does that actually look like, right? Jesus says, do, 
The Bible says do this, do that. You know, what does that actually look like, right? Jesus is, right, the perfect example. He is the perfect incarnation of God's instructions, amen? If it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not the right way of living the Bible, amen? If you want to live the Bible the right way, look at Jesus, right? Copy Jesus, right? And again, we want to examine today, how did Jesus open people's hearts? How did Jesus approach and relate to other people that, that again, were not Christians? So we want to look at today four, four ways that Jesus opened people's hearts. Four ways that people, that Jesus opened people's hearts. And again, when we say people, you know, specifically we're talking about people who are non-Christians, right? Number one, number one. Are you with me today? You ready for today's word? You hungry for today's word? Are you ready for God to awaken your calling and destiny in a powerful way today? Amen. Somebody say, I'm ready. Put it in the chat. I'm ready. Awaken me, God. Amen. Ah, number one. What did Jesus do? He preached good news, right? He preached good news, right? We like to say he preached good news, not bad news. He preached good news, not scary news. He preached good news, not judgmental or condemning news, right? He preached good news. When you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you see that he was very different to, because there were a lot of religious leaders in his day. I mean, he wasn't the only preacher, right? He was, the, he was not the only teacher of God or who, who tried to represent God. There was other people trying to represent God and teach God's word. But, but, but nobody had the impact on non-Christians the way Jesus had. And, 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 and the reason why, one of the reasons why was because when Jesus preached God's word, he preached good News. It was good news. It was good news to people. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says this. Jesus said, Jesus preached. He announced to everybody, come to me. Come to me. See, that's already different than religion, right? See, religion says, wash yourselves up, fix yourselves, get right. Then you can be near God. God won't accept you until you live right. No, the gospel says, no, you come first. Amen. Come to me First, right? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't it sound like good news? Verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? Amen. Have you ever gone to a church service or listened to a sermon that did the exact opposite? You just felt heavier? <laughs> you felt more burdened? Right? See, so much of the church, we have lost the good news. We have lost the essence and the spirit. Sometimes we preach and say the right things, but there's the wrong spirit. There's the wrong heart, right? When Jesus preached, people felt liberated. People felt free. People, people with heavy burdens didn't come out of church heavier. They came out of church lighter. They came, full, they came out with joy. They came out with hope. Why? Because Jesus preached good news, right? He says, I'm not going to burden you more. I'm going to lift your burdens, right? Who is this for? Anybody and everybody. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're weak, it doesn't disqualify you. It qualifies you for my blessing, for my good news, for you. Amen. Matthew 4, 17, 
It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Right? And I know a lot of people who like to, to emphasize the repent part. They're like, you know what the gospel is? The gospel is repent, repent, right? You're, you're sinful. Stop sinning, right? And yes, that was part of Jesus' message, but look at the whole thing that Jesus said, right? He says one word, repent. But the rest of the message is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, right? He doesn't say repent because you're bad. He doesn't say repent because you're sinful. Repent because you're going to hell. Now, all of that is true and all that we should teach, right? Now, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't teach those things, right? But if you want to be like Jesus, look at what Jesus said. He said, repent. Why? Why? Because I've got good news for you. Right? See, Jesus motivated. He didn't just tell people to do things because they were supposed to do it. Right? Do this because God said. No. God is a God of motivation. And He gives motivation. He gives inspiration. He empowers people. Hallelujah. He doesn't tell people just what to do. He gives them the how. Amen? He empowers people. He helps people to do it. So He says, repent. Right? And here is the motivation. Here's the inspiration. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, what does the, the word repent mean? Repent, the word repent means to turn, to give up. To, to lay that down. Why? Right? It's like mm, if you're eating a cheap, cheap cheeseburger, he's like, put that down. Why? Because I've got something way better for you to eat, right? I've got, I've got, I've got like a four-star steak for you to eat, right? He says the kingdom of God has come near. And we, I think we looked at this last week. The kingdom of God, or, or a few weeks ago, the kingdom of God, the Bible says in the book of Romans is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. So, Put that into that verse, right? Repent because righteousness, kingdom righteousness, divine righteousness, divine peace, divine joy, glorious joy is here, right? Let go of the lesser stuff because I want to give you greater stuff. This is good news, amen? This is good news, right? I just want to give you something better. That's what he's trying to say. I just want to give you something better. I want to give you what you've been looking for all along. I want to give you the things that, that your heart has been aching for and searching for. Here it is. The kingdom of God is here. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. How many know that there is an enemy? There is, the devil is real. And his mission, his purpose is to steal kill and destroy and then jesus says here's my purpose i have come that they may have life and have it abundantly good news amen good news right right how do you convey god how do you convey god's news is it is it bringing people down or is it lifting people up is it giving people hope right or is it discouraging people are you saying it's all about you or are you saying it's all about jesus right it's good news amen he said i have come so that I may give you, so that I may help you to have life, real life, real joy, real peace through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Good news, right? Jesus didn't come to help those who help themselves. He came to help those who cannot help themselves. Amen? It's good news. Number two, the second thing, uh, the second way that Jesus opened people's hearts is that he healed anybody who asked. So powerful. He healed anybody, anybody. He blessed anybody who asked. I want to read this from the NLT version, Matthew 15, 30. It says, A vast crowd 
brought to Jesus people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. All. Somebody said all in the chat. That's a beautiful, powerful word. All. You know, one of the reasons why that's really powerful is because in Jesus' day, and I'd say unlike many people even still today, many Christians, you know, we think bad things happen to people because they're bad, right? Good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, right? The truth is we live in a messed up world where bad things happen to good people and good things can happen to bad people. But specifically uh, for this text is that people associated sickness with sin, right? If you got sin, God's going to punish you. God's going God's, God's to strike you down with sickness. And so uh, people with sickness were, were regarded as disqualified or rejected from God, right? And so they thought these are the least people, least qualified, right? These are the last people least qualified for God to bless, right? So Jesus contradicts all of that. He says that religious thinking, that religious teaching is not God's way. That's not the gospel way. He said, come to me, all who are weary, all who are sick, all who are burdened, all who are helped. And they all came. And even with physical sicknesses, the Bible says he healed them all. Amen. Amen. Right. You know, some of us, we think that if I did something, if I'm in a problem and it's my fault, it's my fault. I caused this. I knew I shouldn't do this. I knew God didn't want me to do this. And I did this anyway. And we do it. And then we think God's not going to help me. Why? Because I knew better. God told me not to do it. And I did it anyways. Why would God help me? No. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. Amen. He gives us help that we don't deserve. Amen. He, he doesn't give us punishment we do deserve. That's grace. That's mercy. That's the good news. He healed everybody who asked. Right? And notice, he healed them all. And this includes people, whether they knew him or they didn't know him, whether they believed in God or didn't believe in God. Right? In fact, this is the reason why Jesus healed, is to open their hearts so that they would believe in God, so that they would follow Jesus. And I remember uh, there was this uh, story I watched on a video where there was this uh, person God was using to heal many people and they were going into, uh, you know, other nations and I, I won't name anything specifically, but they're going into other nations where they were predominantly a different religion, very strongly. Like if you believed in Jesus, basically you'd be kicked out of your family, kicked out of your home, you may be attacked, you may even be killed, right? And this person was going into those kind of nations and they were seeing a lot of people believe in Jesus. A lot of people get saved and put their faith in Jesus Christ, right? And, uh, and so there was one pastor in that region was like, how are you seeing so much fruit? How are you seeing so much harvest? Can I follow you? And so this guy was following this, this uh, evangelist who was doing a lot of healings. And so, so this evangelist went up to a door and knocked on it. And this old lady opened the door. And she was just very kind of like, you could tell she was very like suspicious and wasn't very open. And, 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 the, and the evangelist says, hey, we don't want nothing from you. We just, we just want to help you. God wants to help you. Is there anything we could pray for you about? And you see this old lady. She starts to opening the door more, you know, and, and the old lady says, well, I've got this sickness, my back, blah, blah, blah. And this, this evangelist says, oh, I pray for a lot of people, and God has healed a lot of people with that problem. I think, I believe God wants to heal you too, right? But then this pastor stops everything, stops everything. He says, whoa, 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 you can't pray for healing just yet, right? And the evangelist says, why? And the, and the pastor says, because she doesn't believe in Jesus yet. She needs to believe in Jesus first, and then she can be blessed by God, Right? 
And then the old lady just was like totally turned off, closed her heart, closed the door, and they lost their opportunity, right? Isn't that so strange? The pastor wants to know, how can I help people be saved, but he's not willing to change, he's not willing to learn, he's not willing to see, oh, this is what God is doing. See, Jesus healed all, hallelujah, right? There's no qualifications. The only qualification you need for a miracle is that you need a miracle, (laughs) amen, right? You don't need to have enough faith. You don't even need to know Jesus. The reason why is because Jesus does these things so that you will know him, so that you will open your heart, so that people will come to know that he is good. See, that's why the Bible says, taste and see that God is good, amen? So Jesus showed love. He showed mercy. He showed grace and he showed compassion to everybody, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of how much sin they have, regardless, right, of how hard their heart is to Jesus, regardless of their religion, Jesus showed love, mercy, and compassion to everybody. Amen. He wasn't condemning them first. He was inviting them first. Are you doing the same? Is that your attitude when it comes to the world? Let's be like Jesus. Number three, third thing that he did to open people's hearts. Uh, this is, this is, this is phenomenal, and uh, of course I'm kind of, and this is maybe something that's so difficult, uh, and, I, and I'm joking right now, uh, because the, number three is so simple, it's, it's crazy. Jesus ate food with people, and he hung out with them. Right. Boom, that's it, right. it's done. That's what he did, right? He would eat food with people, and he would hang out with them. Do you think you can do that, right? Can you do that? It's like, I can't preach a sermon. Well, can you have coffee with people, right? Can you buy people a meal, right? Can you just hang out with people, say hello to people? That's what Jesus did, and he changed lives through that. Remember, people, it's not about our power. It's his power working through you. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now, the tax collectors and sinners, right? Whenever the, when it says sinners, it's, it's people who don't know Jesus, right? They were viewed as, as, as uh, being in sin. So now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. They were all interested in him. But the Pharisees, right? This is the religious people, religious leaders, right? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. When it says muttered, it means that they, were, they had a bad attitude. They were grumbling. They were complaining. Uh, they, they muttered, this man welcomes. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Right? What was Jesus' great sin, right? He was welcoming. <laughs> he was welcoming. He was, he, was a, he was very friendly. This is what made them mad. Isn't that crazy? <clears throat> they were mad because he was friendly. This man welcomes sinners and he, oh no, he eats with them, right? He has meals with them. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? So there's a lot of things I could say about this passage. It's so deep and powerful. But the main thing I want you to catch is how Jesus connects these two things. Eating with people and God's mission. God's mission of saving lost souls, he connects it with what? Eating with them. Hanging out with them. Right? He's saying eating with people, hanging out with people, being friendly with people, being friends with people, that's God's work. Amen? Amen. That is doing God's work. 
See, a lot of you, you, you make it way harder than it is. Maybe because you're scared, maybe because you're fearful, right? God will help you with that. God will help you overcome that. And, and, and one of the things that you can be encouraged by is that you don't need to give up everything here and move to a third world country. You don't need to go to a seminary. You don't need to know a lot of Bible. Um, what else, right? You don't need to teach a Bible study, right? You don't, you don't need to uh, have all the answers, right? You just got to be friendly, Right, you got to be welcoming. That's it, right? Be nice, be kind, have a meal, hang out with people, right? Because why? That's what opens people's hearts to Jesus. When you do that, you're actually helping people to experience the character of God. God is welcoming. God is kind. He's not condemning. He's not shunning me. He's not rejecting me, right? He's, he's not this scary God. He's, he's this welcoming and loving God. That's who Jesus was. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. When you see me, you see me preaching good news, welcoming the sinner, having meals, right? That's who God is. See, again, uh, see, I want you to get this because when it goes from the Old Testament and talking about the law, all these religious leaders, they looked at all of God's word and they interpreted God as this holy, you know, out to like, he's angry at sin and he is. But they missed the point, right? They, they had this one-sided picture because they were looking at the word and they were interpreting it a, a, a certain way. And Jesus shows up and he says, okay, you're interpreting it wrong. You're applying it wrong. Here's how you apply the Old Testament. Here's how you apply God's word. I am the, I am the full incarnation of who God is, amen? And so if you want to understand what it looks like to live the Bible, it's me. It's me, right? So this is how you apply. This is how you, how you live out God's word. It's me, right? He's the good shepherd. He is the friend of sinners. He went and he ate with people, hung out with people. And see, this is where you know that you're starting to lose, lose God's heart. This is where you start to understand this is this is what it was for me when i began to realize i'm i'm missing it i'm missing the point i'm missing god's heart i'm missing what god is really trying to say because there was a point in time when i started feeling like you know non-christians are the enemy i gotta distance myself from the world because it all became about protecting myself rather than saving them you understand, right? We, we, we know that we miss the point as Christians when we start self-protecting more than we try to go out and save. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was the most holy. He was the most holy, and yet he came into this world, right? And, and he touched the sinful. See, old, like religious people will say, don't, you know, the, the Old Testament was like, don't touch unclean people because you will become unclean. And Jesus says, do you understand how powerful I am? Do you understand the power of God's love? And he went around and touched the people that everybody said don't touch. And when he touched them, they became clean. When he ate with them, their hearts were opened. When he showed love to them, they, so many of them joyfully accepted and followed Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Remember that Jesus taught about the Good Samaritan. Jesus taught about the Good Samaritan. A religious person was like, well, you know, uh, you know the, the, the law says we should love our neighbors, but, but who's my neighbor? See, see his, his attitude was not everybody. He said, well, only certain people, right? So who are those certain people that we should love, right? Only the good people and the holy people, right? Especially the Jewish mindset or, or the Jewish 
religious mindset, not all Jewish people at that time, but the religious leaders, they, they, they felt like if you're not a Jew, you were rejected and all this kind of stuff. So he was like, who's, who's, my, who's, who's my neighbor, right? Because Jesus says, love your neighbor. And, and then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, for, for our context, our modern context, all you need to know is that the Samaritan basically represents somebody who doesn't believe in God. Right? Not the way the Jews did. Right? The Jews felt like they had the right doctrine, right theology. They believed God the right way. They believed everybody else did not, especially Samaritans. They, they thought Samaritans were the complete opposite of a God follower. And then Jesus does this crazy thing. He says, let me tell you the story of the non-Christian, the good non-Christian. Right? Here's what the non-Christian did. He, he saw this person in need and he helped him. He saw this person in need and he was nice to them and he was kind to them. He showed mercy to them. Right? Is, and, 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 and what is crazy is that the people who heard Jesus, they probably would have been very shocked, right? Because right? Jesus is basically saying, learn from non-Christians. Learn from non-Christians, right? Do you see how they are kind and merciful and loving, how they open people's hearts? Do the same, right? And in a way, what Jesus was saying was that they're doing a better job than you, <laughs> right? Have you ever encountered that? Right? Can we be real today? Can we be real today? Like, have you ever met non-Christians who are nicer than Christians? Right? Have you ever met non-Christians who are more mature, more responsible than Christians? I was talking to somebody the other day who, who are, you know, they were saying like, man, some of their worst workers that they've ever worked with because they're the boss, some of their worst workers were who? Christians. Some of them were the most irresponsible. Some of them were the most liars, you know, and, and what's, what's so sad is that, that, that we've, we've, come to a point where there's no difference between a Christian and non-Christian these days. In fact, we, we've, we've come to realize that there's a lot of non-Christians who are much nicer, much kinder, right? If they were Christian, they would be a much better representative of Jesus than a lot of Christians. And that's why Jesus is saying, look, like, look at these non-Christians, the way they are kind to one another. They show mercy to one another. That's what you should be doing too. And you can, in fact, learn from them. That's the point, right? Don't get so religious, don't make it harder than it is, right? It's so simple that even non-Christians are doing it, right? You can do it too, amen? It's, it's, it's like intuitive. That's kind of what God is saying. It's like it's so intuitive. Why? Because we were made in God's image that there's this intuition. What does it mean to be kind? What does it mean to be loving? What does it mean to be merciful, right? But we mess it up with all these religious rules and all this religious thinking. You know, I was, again, talking to my friend and they're like, you know, some Christians, they teach that if you're going to do a business, you only hire Christians, right? Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. And I was telling them, no, that's not what the Bible says at all. There is no commandment in the Bible that says you only hire Christians, right? In fact, it's the opposite. You see Christians, you see believers of God working in the world. Do you, do you know where Daniel worked? Daniel, Shadrach, Master, and Abednego. You know who they worked for? They worked for Babylon, isn't that crazy, right? Today we teach about the spirit of Babylon. Watch out for the spirit of Babylon because it's so evil, right? They served Babylon. They served Babylon well. They were excellent in their work. They were so excellent that they were high officials within the Babylonian system, right? They were advisors. They were leaders, right? Because they did their work. They didn't say, oh, this is an evil place, so we're not going to work for them. No, whatever they found themselves, they were representatives of Jesus. They did their work. They witnessed, and they were a witness to other people. They were a shining light in all that they did, right? And they didn't have this religious mindset like, oh, world you know, us, world, and, you know, separation. No, the Bible says we are in the world. 
We're not of the world. We don't need to be the way they are. We don't need to believe what they believe. We don't need to act the way they act. But we can be near them, beside them, befriend them, love them, serve them. Hallelujah. We can be in them. We don't need to distance ourselves from them. In fact, that's what Jesus did not do. He did the exact opposite. The Bible says he humbled himself and came into our darkness, came into our sinfulness. He came into, right, unholiness in order to save us. Amen. So, number four, Jesus, right, he was able to open hearts because he was anti-religious, anti-religious. Now, I want to clarify that the word religion is not a bad word, right? We tend to use it negatively. I tend to use it negatively, right? Because, you know, we're trying to describe, you know, the difference between Jesus and the other, you know, leaders of, 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 of uh, faith in his time is that, you know, when we use the word religious, we're saying that, they became more about rules and and uh, and and they and they got God's holiness all wrong. But they were all about God's holiness, right? But Jesus was about the gospel, you know. And he was anti-religious. He was anti. He was completely different than the religious leaders and the religious teaching of their day. You know, the Bible says that he taught the same thing, but he taught it in a different way. Have you ever encountered that? Have you ever gone to one church and another church and it's like the same Bible, same word, same milestone, but this one made me feel really bad, <laughs> but this one made me feel really hopeful and really good. This one made me scared of God. This one made me want to go near God, right? See, Jesus was anti-religious, right? Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, it says, Woe to you, teachers and of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, right? I said it once, I'll say it again. You know, of all the people Jesus was very against and Jesus rebuked, he never rebuked sinners, dirty people, weak people, sinful people. He rebuked people who thought they were so self-righteous. They were following God so well. They thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to heaven because I'm so good. No, he rebuked those people. And not just because they believed that, but because they showed no mercy and grace to other people. They didn't try to open people's hearts. They didn't try to love non-Christians. In fact, they condemned them. They judged them. And Jesus judged those people because of that, right? So he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, right? What does it mean to be a hypocrite, right? To Jesus, what does it mean? This is what a hypocrite to Jesus is. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Right? He's basically saying you're preaching the wrong message. You're preaching the wrong word. Right? You're supposed to enter by grace, but you make it all by works. And because of that, you make it harder for other people to enter into the kingdom of God. You, you keep making it all about rules, do's, and don'ts. If you really want to be a saved, you got to do this, this, and that. If you really want to be a saved, you got to change your life. you got to do all the right things. And he says, woe to you! Because you are making it harder for people to get saved. Luke eleven forty six, Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, right? Isn't that crazy? You can know the Bible but still miss the point. You can know so much Bible. You can quote verses. You can know theology. But you can still miss the heart of God. And he says, the experts, you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. 
right? You keep making it harder and harder for people to follow Jesus. You put on more rules. You put on more condemnation. You keep telling them you need to change this. You need to fix that. You got to stop doing this. You just, you make all these rules. You say, if you don't do this, God won't do that. If you keep doing that, God won't bless you. You make all these rules and you weigh people down and you have no compassion, you have no mercy to even help them carry the burdens you put on them. You preach a message that is condemning, that is that is life-sucking, that is burden-giving, right? And it is completely opposite to what, to what I am trying to tell people. So here it is. Jesus got mad at people who made it hard for people to be saved. Right? He's basically saying, you're making it harder. But that's not what I've come to do. What do we, what do we sing? Right? That popular song. Way maker. Way maker. See, religion is a way blocker. Right? You ever gone through an obstacle course? Have you gone through an obstacle course? Right? There's a course and, you know, there's like a wall you got to climb up. Or then you got to duck through these things and jump. And you got to do all these things. Right? Right? If, if, if those obstacles weren't there, you could just run it in 10 seconds. Right? Because the obstacle, you got to climb the wall. You got to dodge this. You got to do that. So it takes you like five minutes. Just It's so much harder to go through that path. It's so much harder to go through that way. See, the religious teaching, religious preaching, even today in, in some of our churches, and I'm guilty of this too sometimes, and I was very guilty of this uh, in the past, is that we make it harder. We put obstacles. We make an obstacle course out of Christianity. We make an obstacle course. But Jesus says, no, I have come to make a way where there is no way. Right? Come to me and I will make it easy. Isn't that what he said? If you're a heavy burden, if you're, if you're weighed down, I will give you my yoke and it's going to be easy and light. So God gets mad at people who makes it harder for people to become Christians and he is happy of those who make it easier because that's what Jesus came to do. I've come to make it easier for you to know God to be loved God, to be blessed by God, to be saved, and to follow God. See, don't mistake my preaching to be a free ride. I'm not trying to say that people just, you know, you can just believe in Jesus and do whatever you want. No, what I'm talking about is falling in love with the Savior. That's what we're ultimately talking about. That's what ultimately Jesus is after. He's like, I I want to help people to fall in love with me, right? Isn't it ridiculous for a man to walk up to a woman and say, love me? I like you, so love me. Guys don't do that, right? Oh, she's hot. Hey, let's go out. Let's date. Be my girl. Let's get married, right? No, nobody does that, right? And we think, well, because God is God, he can do that. He can just tell people, I'm God. Believe in me. Follow me. Love me. You're right. If he, he could do that if he really wanted to. But you know what the good news is? And you, want, you, know the thing, you know what the important thing is? Is that that's not his way. And that's not his character. He could have done that. But instead, he said, for God so loved the world that he came, right, to this earth like a man trying to win a woman's heart, right? He's trying to woo. I don't know how you say that in Korean, right? But, you know, when a man tries to win a woman's heart, right, says nice things, opens the door, right? Oh, you know, it's like, oh, man, she's great. I wish she could be my girlfriend. So you start start doing these things to kind of open her heart to you, right? Open the doors, buy her flowers, send her text messages. You know, before I, you know, started dating my wife, you know, I heard she was sick, so I text messenger, you know, saying, I'm praying for you. (laughs) The Christian flirting, right? 
right? Christian flirting. Hey, praise the Lord for Christian flirting, right? Right, right. Instead of saying you're hot, you send them a Bible verse. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about you and praying for you. And so, I, I, you know, God gave me this Bible verse to give to you today. Uh, <laughs> My wife says, I did well, you know, and uh, it was all by God's grace. I don't deserve my wife. I, I could never have gotten her as my wife if not for God's grace. Amen. So, uh, but what I'm trying to say is that this is Jesus. This is God, right? He, he didn't come to make the way harder. He came to make it easier, right? He wanted to make it easier to fall in love with him. And when you fall in love with him, you naturally follow him. That's God's way. Amen? And so the Bible says to you and me, this is our purpose. This is our calling to be like Jesus, right? To help people, to open people's hearts. And this is why the Bible says that we're called salt and light, right? Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 16 Jesus says, you, who? All Christians, young and old, mature, just getting started. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Right? So again, what is Jesus saying? Right? Right? When you're joyful and happy in Jesus, you're full of salt. But when we start becoming religious, we become about the rules. That's when the salt loses its saltiness. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, right? <laughs> Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Have you ever bought something new and you want to protect it, right? Like when I get a laptop, like a new laptop, I don't let anybody touch it. It's like, don't touch it. The screen is so perfectly nice. And then they put a smudge on it. I'm like, no, right? That's it. I'm putting it in a case. I'm protecting it so nobody touches it right? That's how we treat our faith sometimes. That's how we treat our lives, right? It's like, oh, God, save me. And you're so joyful and you're telling everybody, but all of a sudden, something in our mind shift changes. It's like, okay, I got to be holy. I got to stay clean. And, begin, and then we begin to put everything under a bowl. We buy a case. We buy a cover. <laughs> and we try to protect. And ultimately what happens is we put the light under a bowl, right? In order to protect ourselves. And Jesus says, no, that's not why I saved you. That's not my purpose for you, right? Take the bowl off. I know you mean well. I know you're trying to keep faithful to me, but you know how you want to really be faithful to me? Do what I say. Love people. Shine your light. Show my goodness, amen? Show grace and mercy. That's what it means to really, don't just protect your life. Live your life. Don't just protect your faith. Live your faith, amen? Huh. So, Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's your purpose. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What is this light? Could be many things. I want to I make it real simple today. Your light is your joy in the Lord. Amen. Your joy in the Lord. Amen. Right? right? Again, we make it complicated. You don't have to complicate it, Right? Has Jesus made you happy in some way, shape, or form? That's your light, right? Right? We, 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 make, we make being a Christian and, and, and uh, doing God's work so hard, but if you think about it, it's like watching a movie that you really like, right? Have you ever watched a movie that you really like and you tell people about it? It's like, oh, I watched this great movie over the weekend, you know, and it was like about this business. Or have you eaten like at a really great restaurant and told people about it? It's like, oh, I ate this great restaurant. Oh, so good, right? Because, oh, my gosh, when I ate it, it was like heaven in my mouth. You know, that's how I feel about my wife's cooking. I'm like, 
Did you go up to heaven and steal from God's table and bring it to me? Because that's what this tastes like, right? See, I'm telling you this out of what? My light, my joy. I enjoyed it, so I'm telling you. That's, that's all it takes, right, to tell people about Jesus. You don't need to argue about the existence of God, right? If people ask you, all, well, well, what about this? What about this? You just say, I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know, right? I tasted it. I, I, I had this experience with God, right? And, and it was great. It was great. It was awesome, right? You ever tell people about a movie and be like, oh, it's so good. But, and then people are like, they get all technical. Well, I don't know about the lighting and the cinematography and blah, 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 and the story plot line. I'm like, I don't know about that. It was just fun. <laughs> it was just a fun movie, right? It was great, you know? And then some people will be like, oh, okay, well, I'll check it out, right? Why, right? Even though they have all this skepticism, they want to check it out because of your joy. Because you're like, well, he liked it, right? She liked it, so maybe there's something to it. So be that, amen? The Bible says, be salt and light. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him, right? So taste and see, salt and light, put it together, right? That's your job. You are salt to help people taste. You are light to help people see. To do what? To help them see that God is good. So that's our job. That's our calling is to help people experience that God is good. Right? What are you doing to help people? See, so many Christians, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, so I, I don't want to say I'm pointing fingers to everybody except for myself. No, I'm part of this, and I was very much part of the problem. But so many of us Christians, it's like people are not seeing that God's goodness through us, you know. But that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to help people to, to experience God's goodness. You know, in Philippians chapter 1, we, we don't have to put it on, ver- on the screen because we don't have time. But Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, go check it out. Read it in the message version. And, uh, because there's a part of this, it says this, I'll, I'll read it for you. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. So we do want to live our best life. We do want to be people of character, good character, right? Right? Bountiful in fruits from the soul, right? Right? Making Jesus attractive to all. Wow, right? Go find your Bibles or write this down if you're taking notes. Make Jesus attractive, right? So many times, right? So many of us, so as Christians, as churches, we've, we've made Jesus unattractive, right? Now, of course, Jesus already is attractive, but, but by the way we treat people, the way our attitude, the way we look at non-Christians, the way we talk about non-Christians, right? It's made Jesus look unattractive. But the Bible says our job, our calling is to let people know Jesus is very attractive. He's very enjoyable, amen? Right? And, uh, and that's, that's uh, yeah, that's our, that's our calling, right? Demonstrate God's goodness. Help people to experience His goodness. Amen. So in conclusion, is what I want you to think about, is what I want you to pray about, right? Uh, Because number one, like we've been saying, for the Christian, your calling, your purpose is not, it's not an issue of finding it now. It's 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 a matter of accepting it now. You understand what I'm saying? Like a lot of Christians are like, oh, I'm still praying. I don't know what my vision and my calling. No, no, no. Here it is. The Bible says, right? Go make disciples of all nations. Love one another, right? Open people's hearts. Be a witness, right? Uh, uh, help people to know Jesus. Help people just to experience that God is good. And, and whether you're telling people directly about Jesus or you're just being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? By eating people, being friendly to people, being kind to people, being merciful to people, being the good Samaritan to people, 
right? Uh, I love the Good Samaritan story because he doesn't preach anything, right? He doesn't share the four spiritual laws. He doesn't mention anything about God. He just lives it instead of having to tell it. So whether you're telling about it or you're just living it, right? That, that's what it is. That's our purpose. Are you accepting it? Are you finding it? In your dreams today, in your goals, in your visions for your life today, is this a part of it? Is this at the center, right? If you want to be a musician, uh, an engineer, stay-at-home mom, right? Uh, a psychologist, right? Uh, if, if you want to be a, uh, uh, an actor, it doesn't matter what the vocation is. It doesn't matter what, the, what the, the work is. But at the heart of it, right, do you have God's heart, right? To love people, to open people's heart, to help people know Jesus. Because that is God's will for you and me. That's God's purpose for us. Amen? So, so the question is, will you treat people? Will you treat non-Christians like Jesus did? Will you be a person of good news? Will you share God's heart, right? Will you say, God, give me your heart. Give me your passion, right? Give me your, your urgency for saving souls today, right? That's God's challenge and that's God's calling for you and me today. Amen? Amen. All right, so put it in the chat. Uh, awaken, awaken me, God. Awaken, awaken me, awaken me, right? Could you put that? Thanks for joining us today. 오늘 저희와 함께 해주셔서 감사합니다. Joyful City Church is an international church located in Ilsan that exists to make an impact in Korea and beyond. Joyful City 교회는 일산에 위치한 국제 교회로 한국과 전 세계에 영향력을 끼치기 위해 존재하는 교회입니다. Our mission is to help everybody taste and see that God is good. 저희의 미션은 모든 이들이 주님의 선하심을 맛보고 알도록 돕는 것입니다. So, whether you are a Korean or a foreigner, there's a community at our church for you. 여러분이 한국인이든 외국인이든 저희 교회에는 여러분을 위한 공동체가 있습니다. We would love for you to come visit us and give us a chance to make you feel at home. 그러니 꼭 오셔서 가족과 같은 공동체를 누려보세요. For information about our service time and directions, visit our website at joyfulcity.org. 예배 시간이나 주소 등더 많은 정보가 알고 싶으시다면 저희 웹사이트에서 확인하실 수 있습니다. 웹사이트 주소는 joyfulcity.org입니다. Thanks again and hope to see you soon. 다시 한번 감사드리고요. 곧 만나뵐 수 있기를 바래요.